in troubled times. Now, I don't want to play gloom and doom here because there is a point to my message. When we come to Jeremiah, Jeremiah lived in the same circumstance. The northern tribes, the ten tribes of northern tribes, they've already been taken out of the picture by the Assyrians. God said, you have become so polluted with your idolatry. You've been, you have taken on all of these gods of all of these countries that you have defeated. And then you brought their gods there and you polluted the fact that you're a child of Abraham. The southern tribe, which is still left, two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, is who Jeremiah is preaching to during this time. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. And if you, when you read Jeremiah, you'll understand why. I mean, his, his, uh, he's from a town called Anatoth, which is a Levitical town. It's where the priests lived. He's from the priestly line, and yet they have turned their back on God. And because he was preaching a message of repentance, people from his own hometown were trying to assassinate him. Boy, not only is it political, not only is it spiritual, but it's personal. When somebody says, hey, I'm going to take you out because of, of the message you preach, that's pretty personal. And so Jeremiah... As he writes this book, gives us a few things on how we are to live in troubled times. Because if we, if we look at the world around us, we're going to say, what's the use? We're going to say, why? Why should I try but if we look at it from God's perspective, then we can say, you know what? I want to be the light. I want to be the influence. I want to be what God envisioned this world to be. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. And I want to begin in verse 6. Jeremiah 10, 6 and 7. There is none like you, Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who would not fear you, O King of nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among you all the wise men of nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. The first thing that Jeremiah reminds us is that we're to dwell on God and his character. Notice he says, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, there's wise men of the nations and all of their kingdoms, but none are like you. Because we for, we, sometimes we forget, oh, you know what? My God is all-powerful. My God is all-knowing. 
My God is all wise. I just need to go to him. I need to find out who he is and grab onto that. And the first thing he is, is he's our creator. I, one of the, I, I don't understand when people say, well, we no longer need to preach the Old Testament. And, and, and I, all we need is the New Testament. And I'm like going, do you forget that John 1.1 1, 1 could only be written because of Genesis 1.1? 1, 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's the creator. And when we realize that, we quit the nonsense of saying, oh, we, want, we, we think everybody should have the right to an abortion. It doesn't matter what their age is. Because we're created what? In the image of God. And when we're created in the image of God, that should hold us in awe. God, you created me. It says that you knit me in my mother's womb. Even when that doesn't seem like it's going to work. My mom's sitting here, 90. And, and she's, she's here. Our, our baby sister, Kathy, died because she has a very similar problem that Brandon and Diana's child has, born without a wall in her heart. She lived for 28 days, and it's the reason that my mom's sitting here today, because it was through the death of my sister that mom and dad got saved. And then came along me, four kids later, three kids later, I came along... When I was born, Dr. Doherty stuck his finger up in my mouth and he says, if I, if I hadn't watched this baby being born, I would have told you that that's a perfectly surgically repaired cleft palate. He says, I've never seen anything like this and Dr. Doherty delivered a lot of babies. And when I, when I, it became known very quickly after I was born that I was allergic to everything. I mean, I had a, I had, they ran a air purifier in my room. I had plastic curtains because any dust, they tried to test me and the tests were so, so overwhelming reactive that they had to give me a shot to reverse it. And they told mom and dad, he won't live to go to school. You just do your best you can with what you got. But God knew different. God said, no. And through the, through the wonders of medicine and through the wonders of God, I, went, I used to go to Dr. Doherty's office twice a week and I'd get Two shots in one arm and one in the other on Tuesday, and then on Friday they'd reverse it. Did that for four years. Just trying to keep me alive. I had severe asthma, and when I was 18 years old, I nearly died. 
I had a very severe reaction to a, a, something that was sprayed in the air. They rushed me to the hospital. That was the last asthma attack I ever had. And the doctor said, we, we've never seen this before. It doesn't happen. It was a miracle. God's miracle. Because he created me in his image. I want you to grasp the gravity of who God is. When we say, oh, God, you know, the world's falling apart. No, it's not. Man is falling apart. But this is my father's world. And he's got a plan for it. I read it in Revelation. I read it in Isaiah. I read it in Ezekiel. I read it in Daniel. I know this earth that we're living on right now has something in the future. And we can count on that. We don't have to look at the way the world looks at it and say, oh, we're falling apart. But I want you to understand that not only did God create me, but God created everybody that's rejected him. And sometimes we forget that. We look around us, we say, well, why is that dictator over there still in power? Running around planning wars on other countries. Why, why is... This, these drug cartels doing because God created them too. He created them with a mind. Just because they don't serve the living God doesn't mean that they weren't created by him. Matthew 5, 44 and 45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, God loves everyone. And he will move heaven and earth to try to get them to come. But it's their choice. For them to come. We have to dwell on God and his character. He is a loving God. People say, oh, well, if, if, if God is a God of love, why does this happen or that happen? It's because we've chosen not to invite him in. We've chosen not to live for him. Well, the second thing that God urges there, Jeremiah urges us to do is in chapter 10, verse 23. Jeremiah says this, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor, it is, in the man, in, nor is it in a man who walks to direct, to direct his steps. I know, O oh Lord, that man's way is not in him. So, you see, we think we know how to take care of things. 
We need to get our direction from God and not man. Over in chapter 17, Jeremiah says this in verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. You see, we have to look for God's direction and how he wants us to live in a troubled world. He doesn't want us just to throw up our hands. No, he wants to say, listen, this is the answer right here. Go to the book. Go to the book. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting when I, when I talk to people and say, oh, the Bible's just a fairy tale. It's full of contradictions. And I say, give me one. Well, I can't write off the top of my head. I said, and then, I, then I'll ask him, have you ever read the Bible? Cover to cover. Well, no, because it doesn't have anything to say. It's the number one selling book in the world. And you won't even read it for literature. Just read it for the literature then. Read it for the history. Read it for the, the poem. Poetry in it. Not too long ago, Levi Atkins came into the office and he, he goes to school here in town, public school. And he said, uh, I was asked to do a, uh, a, a, prepare a paper on a poem that I enjoyed. So he picked one of the Psalms. And he took it to the teacher, wrote his paper, did a really good job. I read it. It's good. Took it to the teacher, says, well, you can't turn that in because that's out of the Bible. And I'm like, Wait, you asked for a poem. Probably one of the most read poems in the world. 23rd Psalm. And yet you want to say it's not... And so went back, went to the principal, said, this is my paper. This is what I'm going to turn in. It's been rejected. And they, they reversed themselves. But it's like, why would that even be a question? God's direction. Man has a better idea, right? <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You guys know this one, right? And do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. See, one of, the, one of the interesting things of the world is that their values change. Have you noticed? Right? Think back. To your childhood. Think back to what you grew up with. I mean, I have a 12-year-old granddaughter. 
And, and I just pray, God, protect her mind. Because man's values change. We want to pretend that the Civil War didn't happen. We want to pretend that the Holocaust didn't happen. We want to have our values, oh, well, because we've evolved. Please, we haven't evolved. We've devolved. Right? But God doesn't. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He doesn't change. Our world has changed. I mean, goodness sakes, just, just remember that it wasn't too many years ago that, that we sat and watched a man go to the moon. And the computer that they used to get a man to the moon had less, less computing power than the phone that's in your pocket. Now we're talking about AI. You know, yes, the world has changed, but God has not. His principles are rock solid. And that's where we need to get our information from. Not from CBS or CNN or Fox or wherever. We need to get it from God and his word. Well, Jeremiah has another thing to say to us in chapter 11, verse 14. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not listen when they call to me because of their disaster. You say, what? Let God be God. You see, sometimes we forget that God sits in eternity. Now, what does that mean? Well, eternity goes two ways. We only know it from one way because we all have a starting point, don't we? In the, beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That was a starting point for the earth. Almost every one of us. No, every one of us. Not almost. Every one of us can, have, can go and, and show our birth date. I've been in a few places where I've met kids, that orphans that did not know when they were born. But for us... We have a birth date. That's eternity starts and ends that way. But not for God. God sits up here. He says, I know where you're going. The, the day that you were, when I formed you in your mother's womb, I wrote your ending time. He knows. And sometimes we need to let God be God. Because Sometimes we pray for things that God doesn't want. God knows it's not good for us. But yet we pray, Oh God, do this. Most often, where I see it most, we, we say, Hey God, I want you to heal somebody this way. 
I want it to be miraculous. And God says, no, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to put them over through this journey so that they have the opportunity to witness to people along that journey. You know, where, where people are most likely to express an interest in God and eternity is when they're facing it. And you would not believe how many opportunities there are in hospitals for you to be able to, because you're going through the journey of the illness, to share with people. Why, why, why are you not panicked about this? Why are you not upset about the fact that you have a heart problem or you have cancer or you're facing this or you're facing that? Because I have a God that gave me a promise that he's not only going to walk me through whatever I'm going through, but when I get to the end, he's got a table prepared for me. That's, that's just way. Mom's going to get a hanky out here in a minute. But when you read the 23rd Psalms, Right? Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. How does the 23rd Psalm end? But he shall prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You see, he has the answer. We need, sometimes we need to let God be God. Now, does God answer sometimes in the miraculous? Absolutely. And when he does, we need to give him glory and say, say, look what God did. And, but sometimes we, we pray, oh, God, don't take this person. Do you realize that the greatest, most complete healing that you can ever have is the moment you step into heaven? There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no... It's all gone because when we get to heaven, we will be like him. And I don't know why. Sometimes we fight so hard to stay here on this earth. When we can say, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Let God be God. We don't know what he's doing. In 2 Corinthians 7, it says this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, and this is Paul speaking, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, one of the greatest church planners in history, God chose not to heal him. Even when he cried three different times, that word implored. I begged God. God says, no. Paul, through your weakness, I'm going to be glorified. You know, it's interesting that several times people said, hey, Paul, who are you? You're just this scrawny old little dude running around preaching. And then he spoke, and he spoke the word of God, and God says, wow. Or the people said, wow, listen to him. Listen to this guy preach. Matter of fact, when we get to our next, our, our next sermon on Acts, we're going to see, they said, wow, he's like Zeus. He's like Hermes. He speaks like a god. Causes a big problem for him. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient for you, not wishing that any to perish, but all come to repentance. Never forget what God's ultimate goal is. No matter what the world looks like, no matter what you're going through personally, if you're going through that troubled time, God's ultimate goal is that people come to Jesus. That they see Jesus through you. Well, I want to I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 12 and he's going to give us one more. Let me make sure no, I'm not no, two more. I had to look look back at my notes here. James chapter, or excuse me, Jeremiah 12, 1 to 3. He says, Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You have planted them. They have also taken root. They grow. They have produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their mind. But you know me, O Lord. You see me. You examine my heart's attitude towards you. And I want you to see what his attitude was. Drag them off like sheep to the slaughter and set them apart for the day of carnage. That was his attitude. Kill them all! You ever feel like that? I did 31 years in law enforcement. There's a lot of times when I said, God, would you just fix this? Hey, you know, sometimes our attitude is just wipe them out. But that's not God's attitude. 
We need to fix our attitude. It may look like they're getting away with something, but they're not. They're not. God's, God never allows someone to, to injure God's children, never allows him to defame his name, that he doesn't come back and take care of it. Remember our sermon just a couple weeks ago? Herod cut off James's head, was going to kill Peter. What happened to Herod? It says one day he said, I, I'm like a god. And God says, enough of you. And he said he died. The worms ate him. God will take care of us. We just need to fix our attitude. Sometimes it's hard because when we look at what's going on around us, we say, God, what's, why am I going through this? James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when everything's going your way. Is that what it says? I think most of you know what it says. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the way God wants us to live. That's the attitude God wants us to have. Not, oh, Lord, woe is me for having to go through what I'm going through. It's, okay, God, it's me and you. And we've got this. Sometimes it's hard to do, but he, if we'll fix our attitude and say, God, I can't fix this world, but you can. And he will. There's going to come a day, the thousand-year reign of Christ. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. They shall all come and worship God. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. One day, God's perfect plan will take place right here on this earth. That's why I know we're not done yet. This earth has to take, has a lot more to go through yet. We need to fix our attitude. And then finally, Jeremiah 12, 5. If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? The last thing that he tells us is trust in God's plan for you. Now, what, what did he just say here? He says, if you get tired walking to the mailbox, how are you going to run a marathon? So we, we talked about this on the 70th, right? That we're in a race. 
And it's real easy to get spiritually lax. Quit doing your spiritual sit-ups. Quit doing your spiritual push-ups. Quit doing your spiritual exercise that keeps you strong. God's plan is that we make it how far? To the finish line. Not 100 yards before the finish line. He wants us to make it to the finish line. He says, trust in God's plan. And how does he do that? He says, I want you to, to, to go through, let these trials, let this troubled time that you're going through, exercise your faith to the point that you can go, wow, look, God, we made it through this. We're ready for that. We're ready. Trust in God's plan for you. Why? Because God is eternal, right? And he's all-knowing. Guess what he knows about each one of us? You've got tomorrow. And tomorrow, guess what? I've got a job for you to do. He says, don't worry about it, but I've got a job for you to do, and I'm preparing that job for you today. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Do you realize that God has already planned for you what you're going to go through? And that he will take you through that. No matter what that trouble is. No matter whether it's the trouble that we look at as the world. God says, I have a job for you to do. I don't know what that is yet. All I know is that right now he has this job for me to do. And he may have one down the road. But he's preparing us for it. He's already prepared that. We just have to trust in his plan for what we're going to do. So we can do one of two things. We can sit here and go, oh, God, what are you doing? I'm just, oh, can't you just fix it? Or we can say, God, I trust you. Because I know that you know what you're doing. And what do you have for me to learn through this? What do you have for me that you're preparing for me to do tomorrow? And when we, when we change our attitude to align with God's plan, we know that it will turn out right. It may not be the plan we set out to do but if it's his plan it will always be right well amen